The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Good morning, everybody. Happy fall, happy sunshine. Social Hour will be outside. Who knew that that would be possible, given the weather we've had, the gorgeous rain we've had. Welcome to everyone, especially to those who are joining us for the first time, everyone who's joining us here, and everyone who's joining us on live stream. It's wonderful to be together. I am Vanessa Southern. I'm the senior minister of this congregation, and I am joined this morning in the chancel by Mari Magaloni Ramos, one of our worship associates, who many of you know, and Jonah Burquist, who is the vice moderator of our board and will also be helping us lead some of the rituals this morning. I'm also, we are also joined by the choir, so we're incredibly grateful for you all this morning and our tech team who's available, and especially Joe Chapeau who's on available to the folks online for any support you need. And thanks to Athena Papadakos for the gorgeous flowers that festoon our chancel. I want to thank you all also for wearing your masks. Masks are what love looks like in action. And just so you know, we love you too. Those of us up here without them who will take them off momentarily and periodically have all had our antigen tests and are negative. Or as Jonah gave me the, the uh, signs this morning, this, and he said, or maybe it's this, I'm negative. So <laughs> we're all safe this morning. This time of year, a quick reminder that love also looks like voting, so good luck to everybody filling out your ballots if you haven't already. Um, Kathleen Quenneville, can you raise your hand? Kathleen has been very active in the state of California around voting issues, and so if you feel at a loss, as my daughter did this week as I walked her through the ballot, um, Kathleen is here, and you might reach out to her at social hour, and I bet she'd be willing to, uh, to sit with you and walk you through so you can do your, the work of putting our values into institutions and our civic leaders. Well, we have all heard the words, they're Alfred Lord Tennyson's, um, "'Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all," which definitely names one truth about love, but it doesn't get at a lot of the texture and hardship and journey of how we walk through the love that we have had but lost. And so that's a big piece of what we are hoping to make space for this morning as we have in years, recent years past in this service that you are part of creating this morning. It's this time of year, as so many of you know, when there is the pagan festival of Samhain, this idea in that tradition where the veil is thin between the living and dying, and so more fluidity and spaciousness for conversation and connection, a tradition that gets borrowed and shows up in All Souls and All Saints Day that has its expression in Latin America and Mexico with Dia de los Muertos, to name just three traditions in which communities have had a sense that there are times when the connections between us are a little thinner, and so spaciousness to name and hold and reach across our loss for greater access to the healing and expressions of love that feel important to that healing. So I want to invite us all to bring the fullness of our hearts to this morning, including those places of loss and grief, 
as we worship together. I'd invite you to join me saying the words of our chalice lighting. And those of us, um, who are, those who are joining us through live stream, if you have a candle or a chalice at home, please feel free to light one um, in the place of worship that you create in your own home or wherever you find yourself. Let's say the words together. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Wonderful. Let's sing our first hymn of the morning. It's in your gray hymnal, uh, 103, For All the Saints. I invite you to rise in spirit and body as you're moved and able as we sing together. Magaloni Ramos. If this is your first time joining us, welcome, whether you're here in person or joining us on live stream. If you want to get our weekly newsletter, The Flame, or get emailed a reminder about Sunday's live stream link, you can just fill out one of our connections forms. They are on the welcome table right outside the sanctuary or available through a link in the order of service 
or in the video description of today's service. The order of service lists upcoming events and links to opportunities to connect. Please engage in any way or always that are of interest to you. In particular, we encourage our members to register for the workshop with Paula Cole-Jones that we will be hosting um, for our members only on November 18th in the evening from 6 to 8 p.m. and on November 19th from 10 to 3. It's all taking place on Zoom. Dr. Cole-Jones is the author of our eighth principle and a lifelong Unitarian Universalist and the workshop is a guided conversation about how our congregations put in place cultural and structural changes to live into our eighth principle. Dayanti Chapeau and Liz Strand will be signing folks up and answering questions in the lobby, or you can register on your own. We have 50 people already signed on, but we're hoping to get 150 to join us. We really need you, so please sign up. And now I would like to invite Christopher Rodriguez and Reverend Rabidol, Fred Rabido to come forward to make an announcement. I'm so sorry for still being me in my pajamas. It's actually been years since I've had to be anywhere um, in person for anything on a Sunday. Silver lining, I've learned how to make great omelets while I watch our service at home on TV. But a part of me knows I need to reconnect with the blessed community and build back the routine of coming in person for hugs and the magic of being in the presence of others. So I bring up a wonderful chance to be present with others in our blessed community. On December 4th, after the service, we will have our holiday fair. Yay! Um, please come to be present and buy presents. The actual theme will be decided today um, by the holiday fair committee, which will be meeting at 1230 in the Stubbins room. If you want to volunteer to participate and plan fun stuff, please come today. If you want to participate and can't come today, please contact me at holidayfair at ucusf.org. It's in um, the flame. And if you or anyone you know wants to be a vendor, please contact me also. This is a great chance to see behind the curtain of how church's life play is planned at UUSF. Let's see a show of hands. Who knows where the tablecloths for the events are stored? Okay. Um, thank you to those that know, and for those of you that don't know, please consider volunteering. Um, it's, going to, it's going to be great reconnecting with you this year. Thank you. Greetings to all and greetings to the spirit of those who join us through your hearts. I'd like to let you know that this congregation has begun a monthly meeting of people who have lost loved ones and who are experiencing the grief of the loss. Everyone who feels a loss is invited to join us. It's the first Saturday of every month at 11 o'clock in the Fireside Room. So our next meeting will be December 3rd, and all of you are invited. Thank you.
And now let's take a moment to greet each other, after which we will say our covenant together and sing our doxology. And now I invite you to, <laughs> to stop having fun. No, I'm just kidding. Just, um, it's time for the covenant. <laughs> this congregation is bound not by creed, but by covenant, which is a word that means promises of the heart. These are the promises we make about how we want to be together in the search for truth and meaning. The covenants are printed in your order of service. I invite you to say them with me and then join me in singing the doxology. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant. 
to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. I'm reminded in this time when we talk about the thinning of the veil of something that happened in 1996. My then husband John and I had just moved into an apartment in the New York City landmark known as Stuyvesant Town. We were thrilled because the apartments were highly coveted and the waiting list was long. At the time of our move, many of the apartments were still inhabited by the original post-World War II veterans who had moved in with their families when the apartments first opened in 1947. It was a beautiful place. Nestled behind the tall red brick buildings was a lush, tree-filled park, at the heart of which pulsed a large fountain. Our apartment was sunny and sat just above the canopy line of the trees. Situated to the left of the entrance was a kitchen. To the right of the kitchen, in a small nook, was our work desk. John was a lawyer and I was an actor, and the desk was working overtime as a landing place for our piles of paperwork. One evening, I was in the kitchen cooking. Our cat Doodle was next to me, perched atop a high stool from which he would watch me work and occasionally ask for a taste. From my periphery, I noticed that John was in the nook, opening and closing the desk drawers and rustling through papers. He seemed like he was in a rush, but he seemed okay, so my attention remained on the stove. Suddenly, John ran out the front door, slamming it behind him. Doodle, who loved to go into the hall whenever we would take a trip to the garbage chute, <laughs> jumped off the stool and started yowling at the door to be let out. I was surprised that John hadn't waited for Doodle. He was as indulgent with him as I was. So I opened the door and Whisper yelled after him, Hey, John, what are you doing? He answered, What are you doing? I jumped because he was standing behind me. He had been in the bedroom at the back of the apartment while I was cooking, 
and had come out because he heard the front door slam and the cat yowling. I told him what happened. We looked at each other wide-eyed. After a while, he said, you know, I heard that these apartments are opening up because the original tenants are passing away. The person rustling the papers and opening drawers was in his socks, wearing a white t-shirt and khakis, typical of what John would wear when he got out of his suit at the end of the day. I'd been sure it was him. We went to the apartment office and chatted with a young woman at the front desk. I told her what happened and asked if she would find out who had lived in the apartment before we moved in. She agreed and went back to look for the information. After a while, she returned looking a bit rattled. You're right, she said. The man who lived in the apartment before you was the original tenant. They found him in your bedroom. I went home and called my mom to tell her what had happened. She was touched by the story. Oh, pobrecito, he was alone. Make him a cup of coffee and something sweet to eat. Light a candle in his honor and thank him for the beautiful apartment. Assure him that you will take very good care of it. And then tell him kindly that it's your turn to live in it now. I did as she said. We never saw or heard from him again. Our son, Max, was born while we lived in that apartment. I remember the first time I saw him. He was in profile when the nurse handed him to me. He looked just like Uncle Alan, <laughs> his paternal grandfather's brother. And I was shocked to see him there. In that moment, I felt as if I'd been hurled into the river of life, but the current wasn't just pulling me forwards. It was pulling me backwards, too. This baby that I'd been waiting to meet that represented a carefully invited future was transformed in an instant through that profile into a vessel that included a reawakened history, one forever altered the moment he took his first breath. Max was specifically himself, but not singularly so. My newborn was ancient. Max can conjure his Grandpa Harry with a roll of his eyes. His ascetic sensibilities are so like my father's that when we argue, I often feel like a teenager. And he walks just like John, a joyful, bouncy, toddler-like half-nosedive that still tickles me and takes me back to the beginning of our story, even now after so much water under the bridge. Maybe like my apartment in New York City, we are all haunted places, inhabited by ancestors that occasionally breeze in like old tenants passing through, materializing in a gesture, a proclivity, a wayward curl. In this season, when all over the world we pay homage to those who came before us, let us light a candle in their honor and offer them a sweet treat to entice them to come near so we can tell them that they are not forgotten, so they can hear us say their names out loud, 
so they know that we are holding a place for them among us and that we hope they are doing the same for us across the veil. Sam Dennison, who's one of the leaders of the Faithful Fools, the ministry we are so beautifully connected to in this congregation in the Tenderloin, bid at a past auction on the right to choose the minister's book club book and chose what we're reading and discussing together this month. We're reading and discussing Danielle Sarad's book, Until We Reckon, which you still have time to work your way through before the 17th when we gather. A powerful book about violence and the ways in which it is a force in our country and in our lives and mass incarceration and the road to repair for the damage 
of all of it. In her introduction, Sarah ends with something that felt very relevant to today. She wrote, it is commonly understood that one of the effects of grief is that it can foreclose our ability to imagine. It is as though each of us can look only as far into the future as we can into the past. Healing, therefore, as a process of dealing with what has happened is at its heart a labor of forming a life-affirming relationship with what is to come. We look back so we can look ahead. We grieve so we can imagine. We grieve so that we can imagine? If that's true in the world that she's writing about, a world that is in the struggles of deep violence, it's, it's true actually of all of our losses and all grief. The time that we spend mourning and looking back is what allows us to imagine a future beyond it. To mourn isn't just the way to work ourselves forward slowly from the grip of grief, but it's also what keeps us on this journey, asking about the legacy of love and wisdom that we were given from the one we lost, those things we carry with us. And inevitably, that journey is always about what it is we feel we are left to carry forward. In other words, to imagine a future and how we will step into it differently in part because of who we are after what we lost. So mourning gives way to life and life-giving, inspired living. Such is the magic and the alchemy of rituals of grieving. We gather this morning for all of this to honor the people that we have loved and lost, those whose lives, too, were lost as part of our larger world, but touched us in the ways that sometimes someone we don't even know personally feels like they have affected the trajectory or quality of our own life. We want this invitation to be open, too, to all of the lives or the living creatures that we've lost, since we know, too, that for so many of us, the loss of our four-legged creatures or winged creatures is also something that needs a place to be named. And we invite you into the partnership of the spirit of this hour, as you already are. So I give you a moment to gather your thoughts. If you haven't already come prepared, you'll notice in the order of worship we offer a format to help Frame your sharing if it's useful. 
We'll invite you to come up, but we also have a mic for those who would rather that a microphone be brought to them. Periodically, we'll ask for you to just raise your hand and I will bring you the mic. If you've brought something you wanna offer on the altar, as some folks have already laid there, you can, but also you can just come forward, speak the name and whatever it is you wanna share, there are candles ready to be lit. We'll weave in the participation of those. Jonah will help us with that who are participating on live streams. So you can write in your sharing on the chat and we'll pull you into this space and light a candle for what you name, who you name. We're gonna make one small ask that those who brought food as part of their offering wait until the second part of the sharing that'll happen after we sing, after the offering because, um, or after the hymn we'll sing because we have something special to say before we have that time. So take a few minutes to prepare ourselves. And in that time, we'll take our offering for this morning. We had the memorial service for the Reverend Dr. David Keyes, who was connected to this congregation. It was a service at Grace Cathedral where his wife Judy and he have been connected also for so many years. And the request was made that the offering go in honor of something that spoke to David's values and his family identified RAP, which is Women's Reproductive Rights Assistance Program, which ensures that all people who need it have access to abortion and emergency contraception care. If you feel so moved, we invite you to give our offering this morning. It will fully go toward that request and that work, and we will let David's family know that we have done that this morning. And while we're taking in our offering, I will put a photo of David on our altar and light a candle. Thank you in advance for your generosity.
In inviting folks forward, I think some of you have already placed photos and, um, and other items on the table in the front. So I would invite you, if you would like to and feel moved, to come forward first and say the name of the person who you are calling into our space today and a sentence about them. And then we'd ask everyone at the end to repeat the name so that we collectively as a community can say presente, to call them present into this space. And Mari is there to assist folks who, um, you know, along throughout the service. So if you have something on the altar today, please come forward and, and share with us who this person is so that we might join you in calling them into this space. Kathleen, who do you have today? Jay DeFeo, and she is an artist, a teacher, and a dear friend of mine. She passed at 60 years old. Because she was a painter, she smoked and imbibed her paint and her guitars at the same time. Anyway, um, I want to thank her for her generosity and her love. Say her name again. Jay DeFeo. Presente. Would you like to mention today? Dudley Wessler. Who was she to you? He was my late husband, and uh, we met when we were both seniors, and we had a wonderful life together of about 27 years before he passed away in 2017. Uh, we traveled the world, and it was you know, a very special time of my life. So what he did for me at the end, is he put together this Travels with Dudley. And shortly before he passed on, he gave it to me. And it was such a special thing. Would you like to put it on the altar today? Yeah, I've got his picture sure. there, yeah. And which one is his picture? His picture is picture of when we were married. I'll hang it, it so people can see yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Say his name again. Dudley Wessler. Presente. He's here. Yes. Hi. Hi. Hi, I'm Stephen Gerard, the husband or now widow of my wife, Trudy Lionel, who passed earlier this year in April. Uh, she was my partner, my confidant, my better half, and my advisor throughout all of that time. I give uh, thanks for the wonderful contribution that she made uh, to my well-being. Um, and everything we shared together for such a long time. I also give thanks for the wonderful relationship that Trudy had with this church over close to 40 years, uh, which I shared from time to time as well. Again, I say her name, Trudy Lionel. Thank you. And you brought a picture, right? There it is, so beautiful. Thank you. 
Hello, my name is uh, Tim Pori, and um, I call out the name of Shirley Elizabeth Gibson. Um, she was uh, my life's partner, and um, I want to uh, give thanks for everything she taught me about love and life. And um, I lost her November fourth th uh, la last year, and this is her photograph. Um, with our daughter, our firstborn child, and Shirley was never happier than when she was pregnant. She loved being pregnant. She loved being a mother. She loved um, placing other people first. And that's what she taught me about love is her, she died very well. She's a brave woman. But she taught me that the more you put other people first before yourself, the happier you will be. Shirley Gibson. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I call out the name of my dear sister, Jean Noah Yuhas. Um, I give thanks for her loving heart and her zany sense of humor, which made everyone who knew her just love her so much. She brought so much joy. Um, again, Jean Yuhas. Presente. Hi, um, I'm calling out the name of Peter Gable. He was a neighbor and a mentor and an activist. Um, I give thanks for Peter's activism over the decades that helped create the beloved space that's now called the Noe Valley Town Square. It's a very meaningful place to me in my life, as is this building and community. Say his name again. Peter Gable. Presente. Thank you. Um, my name is Anne Revere Levitin, and I am calling out the name of my husband, Richard Levitin, for the love and generosity that he gave to me and to everybody. And I'm going to read a letter that he wrote to his doctor. Um, he died on June 29th, um, 2016. Dear doctor, as you may know by now, I have a serious situation with cancer. I just wanted you to know that the love and support I am experiencing is remarkable. Neighbors bringing pureed food, children leaving chalk messages on the sidewalk, friends and loved ones offering so much in the way of support. Rides, shopping, not a problem. I'm experiencing all of the compassion and love that humanity has to offer. Such a gift. People responding out of love, not pity. I actually cry from the beauty, not the pain. And this is the remarkable part of this. To, I mean, that's remarkable too. I have been close to death three times in my life. I have sat with death and we each rose and went our separate ways. This time we will leave together. I feel like I am walking to meet an old friend. I hope you do not fall into the trap and quagmire of I wish I caught it earlier. What self-defeating rubbish. You are a good doctor. No reply necessary, just wanted to write you. Richard Levitin. Presente. Presente. Yes. Oh, Anne? 
see. Sure, sure. Okay. What What is the name of the person you're, you're sharing today? Well, there are two women. Okay. And I so want to give a thanks and be grateful for the women in my life, but two special ones. Well, my mother okay. uh, was born as Caroline Duncan. She had a child at 13. She was 30 when I was born. Uh, I would spent most of my life as being told I was the elder child. My older brother, who I never met, he would be 96, 98 right now, should he be alive. He was taken from her by my family uh, in New York City and rushed away from her and adopted away, never to be seen again. Um, my mother never recovered. The other person is my former wife, Natalie Meyer Dupree, uh, who was with me at her, my mother's death on Christmas morning, 1987. Uh, when she was 76. Um, so. Say their names again. Uh, Caroline Duncan Dupree. Ca uh, Natalie Meyer Dupree Bass. Okay. My name is Lynn Quaid, and I call out the name of Marcia Aguilar, who was my across-the-street neighbor and dear friend for 40 years. <laughs> I give thanks for our in-the-middle-of-the-street conversations, very deep conversations, and the joy of raising our children together. Marcia Aguilar. I'm calling out my mother, Susanna Maximina Bernahola, and I give thanks for her strength, her very dry sense of humor, and the love and friendship that she gave me. Say her name again. Susanna Maximina Bernahola. Presente. Hello, my name is Lisa, and I would like to call out the name of my mother, Elizabeth Marlowe, who passed away last year from COVID. I miss her very much. Elizabeth Marlowe. I call the name of Janine Bray, who was my friend. I give thanks for her courage and her questing spirit. Janine Bray. From the live stream, Jonathan Silk has written the name of Robert Lane. Robert Lane. Presente. I call out the name of Jennifer Kohout, who was my big sister. 
And I give thanks for her open heart because my sister always put openness and love um, before everything else. So even with and especially with family members who did not agree with her values politically or personally, she put love first. And I always respected that. And that's a fundamental for me because of her. Jennifer Kohout. Presente. I call out the name of Liz Cormier, a member of this congregation for many years, a woman who contributed so much time and energy and effort to the advancement of the principles of the United Nations. And we co-chaired a committee uh, on which it was a privilege to serve with a woman with such dedication. And it was Liz who arranged to have the assisted hearing devices brought into the church. So for Liz, who had trouble hearing, Liz, it's us. Presente. Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi, thank you. I'll, I'll be brief. I have a few folks. My mother, Dorothy Johnson, who died this year, and her dear friend, Helen Alera. My mom for giving me the gift of life, and Helen for bringing us enormous joy in our families. Thank you. And our dear friends, John Yakos, Aunt Shirley, Aunt Marty, and Irma, for great joy in our lives and supporting our family and community. And a dear friend of mine, a colleague, uh, the therapist, Dan Weil, who brought uh, collaborative couples therapy to the world and trained thousands of therapists and died during COVID. And um, so I present, and also a dear friend, Gerard, who's on our photo there, our neighbor. Can you say their names again? I sure can. Dorothy Johnson and Erwin, Shirley, Aunt Marty, Dan Weil, Gerard, John Yakos, and Erwin. Presente. Hello, I call out the name of Colia Liddell Lafayette Clark. Colia was a civil rights icon. She died Friday night at 82 after a long illness. Uh, Colia was, along with her then husband, Reverend Bernard Lafayette, was one of the uh, people who in SNCC organized in Selma. To me, she was a longtime mentor and, and a personal friend. I will miss her deeply. And I give thanks for the long life of activism she had and the role model she was for those of us who seek to be responsible dissidents, even in the movements we love. Thank you. Colia Clark. Presente. I call out the name of May and Earl Davis, who are my grandparents, teachers, therapist, and rescue squad for 50 years. I give thanks to them because they saved my life by their listening, caring, and unconditional love. May and Earl Davis. Presente. Hi. I uh, call out the names of my parents, Betty and Carl Strand, who gave me um, a spirit of adventure as uh, in 
When I was 10 months old, uh, my brother and me, and they drove from, they sold their house in Tacoma, bought a car, and drove down to Tijuana, Mexico, and back via Grand Canyon. And then the next year, when I was two years old, we lived in Alaska. And so it was the entire West Coast. But anyway, that's uh, Carl and Betty Strand. Presente. You want to put their pictures up, Liz? You want to put their pictures on the... Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I call out the name of Hamilton Mitchell, my dear youngest brother who died last year. I will always be thankful for the joy that he brought to my life. Hamilton Mitchell. Presente. We're just going to have the um, last two folks right now, and then we'll sing a hymn and we'll open some time up for sharing again. I'd like to call out the name of Alicia Occhiolini, Gorina Di Giuseppe, and Sarina Fortunato, who were my, my grandmother and my two great aunts. And I would like to thank them for their unconditional love. Alicia. Occhiolini, Corina Di Giuseppe, and Serena Fortunato. Presente. Okay. Hi. I'd like to call out the name of my mother, Anita Evelyn Tancredi Adams. Um, she was a symphony of Vermont. She was maple syrupy, sugary love, and I miss her. I lost her two years ago at Christmas, and this is a picture of her, very tiny. I'll put Say, it on her name, out. Hmm? Say her name. Anita Adams. Presente. Maybe in the second half also, so if someone has trouble coming up, um, just raise your hand and I will be going back to help you also. And now we will do hymn 336, All My Memories of Love.
We have space for more sharing, and as um, Mari said, we'll make sure this time to see if anyone wants us to bring the mic to you. We also wanted to have the folks who might have brought food or who brought food and want to say something about it um, use this time to do that. We asked folks if they felt moved to, to do that because it's a tradition around Dia de los Huertos, but also it's a tradition in the early American Puritan life that honoring the dead was often done at the graveyard. Graveyards were supposed to be built like parks, beautiful parks that made space and invitation for just that, and people would bring picnics and favorite foods of their beloveds and share them, and there was laughter. And I was reminded in thinking about all of this about how it's just been the season of Diwali and in a lot of Hindu temples, particularly when pujas are being done, people also bring food and lay it at the altar. Actually, the Catholic church that was in Mumbai, people would do the same because traditions tend to influence each other in any community. And that food comes as a gift to the gods, and then as part of the service is blessed. And some of it is left for the gods, and some of it is kept to feed the priests. But the vast majority is given back to those who bring it, and it's, at that point, it's called prasad, it's blessed food. And when you're given the food at the end of the puja, you take it home to your family and you share it, at, or your neighbors, and you share it at the dining room table or however you see fit so that everybody has this blessed food that feeds them. And so we'll invite that spirit into this offering of food. So if you brought something, you can say why, and then at the end, we'll bless all the foods, and if people will allow, we'll bring them out to be part of our coffee hour or social hour later today. And so, once again, we extend the invitation for folks to come forward. I know, Mari, you have something on the altar, so why don't you begin? I brought a pan de muertos, and they are for my cousin Marta, Jo Martinez, and my father, Ignacio Magaloni Salazar. Marta for being the sweetness in my life, and my father because he loved sweets. <laughs> So Marta, Jo, Martinez, and Ignacio Magaloni Salazar, presente. I have a name from the live stream. Um, Hillary Whitaker Clark writes, I call it the name of my father, James Kenner Whitaker. He taught me to speak up and to advocate for others. James Kenner Whitaker, presente. I'm going to speak for Mary Castilia, so for a moment I will be her voice. I call out the name of Diana Castilia, who was my daughter. I give thanks for the 38 years of joy she brought to my life. And again, her name is Diana. Presente. You brought some food. What is it? And tell us about it. Uh, it's banana bran nut bread. 
and it was one of my husband's favorites. So here we are. Thank you. Uh -huh. I call out the name of Elisa Gonzalez Murray. She was my mama. And I give thanks for the fierce love she had for me and all her family and her sense of humor and her unending confidence in me. Elisa Gonzalez Murray. Presente. I'm Danielle, and I call out the name of Joan Cronenberg Bear. She was my aunt, and she passed on Tuesday. And I used to spend summers with her, and I'm so thankful for that time, that time of quiet uh, thought and comfort. Um, she was there for me when my mother passed away, Edna Lopez Cronenberg, uh, who I give thanks for um, bringing me into this world, and uh, I know I carry parts of her. And finally, I, I call out the name of Dr. Usha Guya, who is the mother of my friend who passed recently. I was there in her final moments, and um, I just want to remember her. Can you say there are three names? Joan Cronenberg Bear, Edna Lopez Cronenberg, and Dr. Usha Guya. Hello, I'm William Klingelhofer, and I call out the name of former minister here, John Marsh, for his gentle soul, for his eloquent sermons, and for his high squeaky voice. <laughs> Say his name again. John Marsh, Reverend John Marsh. Presente. Oh, you have food. Uh, I brought some cheese and crackers for my sister, Jean, who loved to have this with her Pinot Grigio. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Is there somebody that would like me to come? Yes. I call out the name of Marcel Joseph Peter Michael Quenneville. Um, he was my father. And I give thanks for his sense of the hilarious and his unconditional love. Marcel Joseph Peter Michael Quenneville. Is there anyone else? Would anybody else like me to come by? Okay. We have one on the live stream, uh, Mark Baker. Mark Baker writes, I call it the name of my late husband, Michael O'Laughlin for his kindness and love that he gave so freely to others. Michael, Michael O'Laughlin, presente. We also have a few other members who've passed away this year who we want to call into our community. Charles Frias, beloved member, Charles Frias. Margaret Ziegart, beloved member, 
Margaret Ziegart. And Sonia Defu, beloved member. Sonia Defu. Mari and I were also talking about the sense that we are not just holding all of us, our private griefs right now. I mean, we never are, but it feels particularly present that we're not holding our private griefs alone. And that part of what we're all holding is the heaviness of so many things that are grief-worthy. And so even though that isn't the focus of this moment to make and carve some space to name that together, because I think we live in a river of grief right now. So a piece of it would be the people lost to COVID-19. And I, I cringe when I look up the numbers, but I think the numbers are important and they don't capture all of the suffering and the losses that we grieve. Um, colleague of mine who has had long COVID since before he was one of the earliest cases of COVID in early March of that year that we all first heard about it and who um, has largely had to leave his ministry and much of his life behind and I'm sure you all know versions of that story. But in terms of lives lost in the United States as of this morning, we had lost 1,098,221 human beings who were parts of networks of relationships and families and communities. And worldwide, that number is 6,605,442 that we know of. Those numbers are, I think, too big to comprehend and yet we live in the aftermath of all of that loss. So I'm gonna use our blue candle this morning since it was part of our journey through pandemic that was to light a candle for all of those losses and for all of the people whose lives were cut short by COVID-19 and who've left a hole that only they could fill. We call them and their memories and all the legacies of love and wisdom that they left behind into the space and we call them presente. Yeah. What else do we need to, oh, Jonah, please. Yeah, uh, Robert Strahan uh, writes in the chat. I call it the names of my parents, Barbara Jean and Jack Strahan, the best parents who showed me love for all people lost you so early in my life. Barbara Jean and Jack Strahan. Presente. Yeah, just thinking about, um, we've, had, we've had all those losses and um, also all the children lost to gun violence. Uvalde, I think about those children and just so many, I think collectively we're all um, being affected by these things. Uh, loss of confidence in, e in each other, um, because of the political landscape also as God is grieving. Um, so I, I'd just like to name those children too, all the children who are affected by gun violence. Presente. 
The losses of life to war in Ukraine, which we have had to watch unfold, an unjust war, I think we can agree, but also other places where life is lost, protesting, standing up against authoritarian rule and people who would repress the human spirit and freedom in its rightful place to stand for itself. And so in honor of all of those losses to war um, and political oppression, fill our news hours and um, haunt our hearts and that we can feel powerless to stop. So the grief of that, we call all of that loss into this space and call it presente. We invite you all to participate in this moment. We may not be able to hear and repeat what you say, but let's take a moment and call out something that you might be holding that you think is part of a collective grief that we all feel and hold, that we can pull it into this space of healing. We call all that was spoken and that remains unspoken in our hearts. But that grieves us into this space and we call it presente.
Invite us into a time of prayer as we close our service of remembrance. God, we know by so many names and no name at all, spirit of life, ground of being, love that upholds us, moves through us, grace that touches and heals, unseen healing that washes over us and offers us peace. All that is mystery and majesty and weaves us together as one body through time, moments of connection and community that carry us through our days together and become a life. We stand in witness to all we name and all that is beyond names. In this season, when the seasons turn and the light dims and the days grow short and the leaves fall away but turn in splendid color as they do, we feel a sense of life's pull through time a little keener other autumns, other seasons, other years, other people and places that were a part of our past. Some who aren't walking this season with us anymore, but we feel them close. If the veil really is thin this season, let this morning be that reach across the distance of loss not to pull them back entirely, but to hold them across the space between this life and the mystery that waits after life. Let us hold their hands to our hearts, feel their pulse in and against our own bodies. Imagine what they would say, how they would look at us. Remember, the ways their eyes looked when they laughed and how they loved and how they loved and affirmed and urged us to live. Because of them, we are changed, molded no less than if their fingers had literally pressed like a seal into the soft wax of our being, marking us as their own. Their fingerprints are all over us forever. So this morning we offer them something sweet. Our love, our words, a sugar-filled celebration after service, and we tell them we are thankful, and we remind them and ourselves lovingly that through doubts and struggle, and frustration and worry that we, we will take care of this world they've given us. Do what we can to carry the best of them and everyone and everything we have known forward. Just like every generation of people, spirited and soulful and resilient, have done before us. Let our gratitude be felt 
Let our love be carried to our loved ones wherever in space or imagination they dwell. And for today, let us feel rich in the community of those who are presente, invited into our presence. Today and all days, may their spirit and memories be gifts that buoy us and hold us and guide us on our way. And may they be held by what holds all in love, in life, beyond this life. Bless too this morning the offerings on our altars. May the food shared feed us in ways spiritual as well as physical. May the photos and the mementos offered this morning be blessed and bless the homes and the people to whom they return after this service. And may all of us in our grieving find healing and in our sharing be liberated to a life open to imagining again. And may that imagining be illuminated by the best of those we loved and named today. Held as we are by a power beyond name, we pray with gratitude and hope and love. Amen. We are running a little long. Do we want to sing the closing hymn? <laughs> I'm getting some wrap it up. Okay, that's good. We need to, we have to affirm, we'll have a new a symbol system that we'll all agree to. So then let's extinguish the chalice. Mario, if you'll join me. We extinguish our chalice, taking with us the light of truth shared and discovered together this morning. Of love we found in the company of those who now are no longer with us. And the fire of commitment to pay the legacies of life and love forward. And so the flame we light in one another burns beyond all of us. Go in peace. Let's rise and say our benediction. And now in our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us. Out from within us, be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. <laughs>